Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WandaVision 30 Questions, a show where each week we ask 30 questions about the new show WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, you can't snap him away. Sweet Sean's the Kovacs from the internet. Some say I am a vision. And the man beating down Agent Wu's door for a lunch date, Bruce Leslie. That's why they call me Wanda. Oh, my goodness. We are back, everybody. This episode is uh, entitled, We Interrupt This Program to Bring You This Fine Information. We interrupt this to bring you uh, question number one, boys. Let's start it off here. What do you think the biggest difference between WandaVision and The Mandalorian is? Because I have a bit of a, I think we've been thinking about all of this stuff in the wrong, wrong way. Well, for me, the the biggest difference is that the Mandalorian is the the greatest television show I've seen <laughs> in my adult life, and WandaVision is a cog to a giant machine. Uh, Mandalorian homages seem to work within the story. WandaVision homages in the first couple of episodes were the story. Boys, I couldn't tell you how wrong you both are. No, okay. So here's 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 my thought. This came to me uh, this week watching this show because this is the first time that we get more of that backstory. We learn a little bit of everything, and I think that our problem is is that we're looking at Wandavision in the wrong way. I think we need to look at this less as a television show, despite it being on television, on a streaming service that we watch on television. So I think we need to think about it less as a television show and more as just a movie that is being told to us in this many parts. Well, and, you're wrong about that, Adam, and here's why. Okay. Because if this was a movie, in the first 10 pages of that movie, we would get to the point. And this show doesn't get to its point until... Uh, uh, two-thirds of the way through the third episode. You're also thinking about it in a linear two-hour movie format and not an eight-hour movie format. Oh, and Lord. I think that's why I don't go see many eight-hour movies. But I, this this is only going to be about four hours, though. It's half an hour episodes, eight of them. So it'll be more like a four hour. Yeah, movie. so it's it's tiny little chunks and stuff. And I, I think that's what we're doing right now. It's like the the, the Return of the King extended cut. It's it's just a longer one, and that honestly, and that's was one that I thought about very much here. Is that we are right in the two tower section of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as it were. Well, I will say that this episode has made me uh, do a one eighty on how I was feeling after the first two episodes, and I'm not alone. I mean, there's a bunch of folks who, uh, because you know they listen to the show or they know us, uh, have said pretty much what I just said that this one won them over and they took it all back, and I'm kind of in that same boat. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, Bruce. I, I, I like this show. I mean, you know, it, I, I look forward to seeing the next episode of the show. I, I couldn't say that two weeks ago. Sounds like you just hate the 4-3 format. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bruce, let's go to question two. So who gained more competence since we last saw them, Darcy or Boba Fett? Well, this is my favorite question of the week, Bruce. Uh, one, because we get to talk about the Mandalorian a little more. But two, because uh, you are so right. It's one of the first things I thought of when Kat Dennings shows up for the first time. I, I, I was just gobsmacked that there are people being uh, uh, deferential to her. When the last time we saw her, she was calling Thor's hammer Mew Mew. Yeah. And to see that now she's a doctor... You know, all of that, all of that jazz. Like I was when I saw her show up for the first time, I I didn't groan because, you know, it's not like I hate the character. I'm sort of indifferent towards Darcy, but uh, she works in this episode. She's she's good in this episode. I think I like Darcy now uh, more than I ever did in the past. Oh, for sure. a, A nice new dimension to her. But We have given, you know, nothing about how they treated her in Thor or Thor Dark World uh, led us to expect her to be a uh, to be able to perform as well as she does here. It's true. It feels like we caught her like in the Thor movies. It feels like we caught her in her like her college phase. Like she was just drinking a whole bunch every night and was having a really good time. (laughs) Super smart, but like really wasn't quite taking it quite as seriously. The blip happens. And instead of like sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos for five years, she was just like, I'm going to get my education dog on it. You know what? Maybe there's a story there. Maybe that will be revealed that she was the airhead, the 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 funny sidekick to uh, Jane Foster. And then when the blip happened and everybody went away, she got real, you know? Yeah, 
and, and locked herself in a room and did push-ups for six months or something. You know, you know, that's mental push-ups. She turned herself to the brainy GI Jane. Yeah, seriously. I like it well enough. Let's go to question three. Number three, when Monica comes back from the snap, why would the government let her immediately start working on a case? And the reason why I bring this up is that I know someone who uh, contracted COVID and they aren't allowed back at work for a very long time until they're, you know, and they're fine. Like they're, they're totally fine and back to normal and, and work will not let them back immediately. So why, when you were dead, would the government in a very important job say, Oh, you're fine. Come on. They, well, they do tell her she's grounded. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a, that, that, what a, what a thing. <laughs> what a thing. Hey, we're not going to let you work in space, but here at home. Absolutely. And they gave, they gave her two weeks. It was two weeks outside. Oh, that, sorry. that was a difference, it, but it's still, that's a very short amount of time. This, like you said, these people came back. We know what happened to them. We know what went away. These people still have no idea what that was. They don't know where these people were. The people that went there have no clue. They don't know what any of these side effects are. They don't know if they brought back anything with them. Two weeks even is still a rudimentary amount of time to just go, come on back into our crazy secret FBI stuff with God only knows what they know and nothing you know, of the mandalorian <laughs> and if it was her mom uh i could understand because her mom is like the nick fury of sword so nick fury comes back from the blip nobody's doing anything but getting out of his way before he calls him an mfer but i don't know that the daughter of nick fury would carry that kind of gravitas into the office so so yeah that's a good question but i didn't ask myself that because you know it's marvel universe i was just rolling with it sure but it kind of ties into question four, which I'll go ahead and do. Uh, Monica is told that her mom built Sword from the ground up. When we lost saw Maria Rambo, she was a single mother in the 90s and a nice middle-class income home. Sure, she knew Captain Marvel and everything, but what happened since then? How could she have built Sword single-handedly, as we're told? Well... I think uh, because this is coming from a, uh, you know, this is a comic book property and Maria Rambeau, to the best of my knowledge, is not really an established comic book character. But one I would compare it to is Amanda Waller, who had was a single mom with kids living in a housing project when she decided she was sick of it. And next thing you know, she is leading Argus. So there is sort of, yeah, Amanda, the wall Waller. And, and I think there is that kind of, uh, storytelling in this sort of fantastical comic book storytelling where that's a character type they like. And, you know, compared to Amanda Waller's story, Maria Rambeau, you'd be more like, well, how could she not have built sword? She was a pilot. She had in an inroad with the government, you know, she was buds with the superhero. I, I guess the only, I mean, because it feels like it's obviously, uh, you know, kind of not necessarily offshoot of shield, but at least, you know, kind of a different version of shield, if you will. Oh, I mean, every- she's the, uh, you know, I was asking, uh, maybe it was last episode, if we thought Monica Rambeau would be the Abigail Brand character here, but it was her mother who's the Abigail Brand. It's 100% a spinoff from S.H.I.E.L.D. So I may, maybe a lot of that, like, just because there's billions of dollars worth of stuff around. I think that's my biggest thing is like, look at the facilities and you're like, I, 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 listen, all power to you. I want her to do that, but I'm just wondering how. I feel like there better be some Nick Fury money behind some of this at some point. Well, Elon Musk it's a lot. at some point was just a kid who lived in a house. I mean, yeah, that's true. It, it happens to the craziest of people. Let's go to question five. When I started out, I only had five million. Look what I have now. Uh, question number five. In your opinion, and this is an extremely suggestive question, but in your opinion, was this episode appropriately placed? Well, you are right to word it the way you did, Bruce, because you already know my feelings on this. I, I think that if they would have started, and I know this is an impossibility to think this way, but if they would have started this show with episode three, I would be totally fine with this show. It's, but the fact of the matter is that there were 17 hours of sitcoms in front of it. And that is the problem with the show to me. But now we're here and now it's good and great. 
What do you think, Adam, about your eight-hour movie Two Towers thing here? I oh, think he's going he's gonna, to he's lockjaw that thing. Well, here, I right? did. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not changing my tune since the beginning of the show. This isn't like, listen. And I've I, been given new information, and I won't change my opinion. What are you talking about? Like, this is the, what I figured they were kind of doing all along was showing us what we're seeing ahead of time. And to me, this is far more powerful to watch this show. And now I can see all the things that they're watching. I've got all that back information. Maybe not all that back information we'll per- perhaps talk about that at some point but there's we we got context those first three episodes we're we'll put in a couple of little like ooh, what's going on we're not quite sure now we've got that full context and i think this show has hit the ground running and to me that was kind of the end of that first act is those first three episodes and really even maybe even the third episode starts the second act off a little bit but uh, I think this is what is bringing us into the second uh, arc of this story. Well, personally, I think, and, and this is something I would really do. You know, this isn't like show talk. If somebody said, hey, I've heard mixed things about WandaVision. I've heard some people say it's good and some say it's bad. I would, I would say to that person, watch episode one, skip to four, then go back and watch two and three, and you'll love this show. And Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, people used to play around with the viewing order, how to fit the prequels in with the Star Wars trilogy, and I never really liked to do that much, but here, I 100%, number one, so you're all disoriented, but you get the point. Like, I totally get the point at the end of episode one that they're showing us with Wanda's world. Then you give us this episode two to show us how it relates to the outside, then I actually don't mind going back and seeing more of the old-time sitcom follies going on and building up to it. Yeah, I, I think it's just uh, like 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 the question itself says. It's a question of when the timing for that particular event strikes you. Well, that's fair enough. Question six: Randall Park is one of the very few people who make me laugh before he even says anything. Who is on that list for you? For me, uh, it's John C. Riley. John hmm. C. Riley has just a funny, stupid face. And whenever you look at him, it is there's just something funny and stupid going on. Even like in his serious roles, you see him in like Gangs of New York, and you're like, he's gonna say something funny in a second. Just watch this whole <laughs> Like that's what you're waiting for, just because he's got that goofy face, and I love him so much. And he and the best part is, is he's an amazing actor to boot on top of all of that stuff. His comedy stuff is great. His dramatic stuff is great. I really like that guy. But boy, I sure laugh, laugh at that mug when I see it. Yeah, I think those are both good answers. I can't think of uh, any original contributions right now, but yeah, Randall Park. And you know, I never thought of it until you asked this question, but yeah, the the facial expression, the way he carries himself, he does make me happy and chuckle before he even says anything to laugh at. And John C. Riley, same boat. Maybe um, Danny McBride does that a little bit, but part of that's just because I think of other roles he's been in that I like. Sure. I don't know. Randall Park has a great put-upon face. And yes, that's what so makes good. him so great is that you look at him and automatically you're like, oh, this poor guy. And it's funny. Like his pain is our joy. And he's so sweet natured just, you know, by by happenstance that when <laughs> when the world is beating him, just beating him to a pulp, he's still like, oh, well, I'm going to still do the best I can. That's and okay. So funny about that to me. <laughs> Question seven, who do you guys think the missing person the FBI is looking for? Who do you think that is? I think it's the whole town of Westview because she really did take a whole town into this bubble that she created. So you don't think it's an individual person because that is uh, that's something that Agent Wu did say is that we're looking into a missing persons report. He did not actually see or he didn't mention who that was. And And I may have misheard it, but I thought they even asked who's the person. And he said the town of Westview. Yeah, like I thought what, he straight up said that. Too. Did it? okay, maybe and maybe I missed it. I mean, I, I watched it the twice, but it's it's possible because yeah. I was thinking about something else after the first time watching it. So maybe perhaps I missed it. But I thought we were looking for at least one particular person, and uh, I I got ideas on who that is, and it ain't Wanda. I'll tell you that much. Oh, maybe it's Herb. It might be. No, we we I, we've got some we got some questions that we'll look at, but. Uh, but so no, I to me that's what I thought. I thought we were looking for a single person, but you're right. We may be looking for the whole town itself. Question, Question eight. number eight: Is it unusual that an astrophysicist wouldn't use the phrase cathode ray tube to describe an old TV? So weird. 
I am surprised, to be quite honest, because, um, I listen, I know what it is to be a smart person, and I'm one of those smart people that likes to just, you know, sometimes... Oh, do you the, know somebody? Yeah, I, he's, he's, you know, he only knows a little bit about a lot of stuff, but that's about it. <laughs> but... Well, I don't know. To me, is it's, it, it's is it Bruce. You can tell us. Is it Bruce yeah, Bruce, Bruce would say I that mean, kind of crap. You know the the line as she delivers it is a mild joke. She says, "I need a really old TV. You know, one that isn't flat." But I think the joke works if she says, "I need a cathode ray tube TV," and the guy goes, "A what?" And she goes, "A TV that isn't flat." You know, like she says it yeah. in a smart way and then talks down to him instead of making it seem like she is the one who has to describe it in the. Uh, more juvenile terms. I put that yeah. more on her age than I would necessarily her intelligence per se. And there are plenty of uh, really, really smart physicists that know what a cathode ray. Yeah. Is. But I think Adam has a good point here, okay. Bruce, because the, the reason why I bring this up is that I think or the reason why I'm siding with Adam here is because uh, a couple of years ago, someone was describing for me, a, a dress or something like that. And she goes, you know, and it's Swarovski crystals. Yeah. What now? And I said, I, I said, I'm sorry. I don't know what those are. And she goes, you don't know what Swarovski crystals are. Like I'm the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> and then I said back to her, Hey, do you know who was the right fielder for the Boston Red Sox in 1986? It's Mike Greenwell. How do you not know that? Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, it's people know okay. what they know and they don't know what they fit- don't know. Physics does deal with cathode ray tubes. And you got to remember, Thor was what, 2011? So that's 10 years ago. Plus, you got to add five years for the time that passed during the blip. I think she probably would know. Like, I think if you asked uh, Kat Denning, do you know what a cathode ray tube TV is? The actress knows what it is. You know what's yeah, funny? Probably. I, I saw people online going, I was previously big giant Cat Denning fans. I, I love her and all the stuff that she's in. I don't like what she's doing in the, in this series. And I'm just like, she. Uh, listen, not for nothing, but Cat Dennings is Cat Dennings in just about everything she's in. God bless her. She's, she's always the same. She's really good always at always. it. I enjoy yes. what she does, but like, this is the same character she is in just about everything she's in. How As I question? say about Ed Asner, she's the best Ed Asner at all of television. Yeah. How about number nine, Sean? When Darcy asks for a tube TV, Sword brings her a very hard-to-acquire functioning antique television, which means that either A, someone at Sword is an antique collector specializing in electric kitsch, or B, they had someone go to an antique shop to buy the TV instead of going to a Goodwill to buy one of dozens of perfectly functioning, ugly tube TVs that would have cost hundreds of dollars less. Which scenario do you think is more likely? Okay, so I'm thinking sword guys, governmental property here. They've got more money flowing through here than they kind of know what to do with. I also think that there's a good chance that one of these cats could be just that kind of nerd who collects tube TVs on account of that's what he does. Because there's about, you know, they end up with like 10, 15 TVs in this place. They keep bringing them in on pallets. But the first one that they bring her... Is in is like a gorgeous, like fifties <laughs> era, beautiful television. It's an Electrovision. Enjoy yourself or some crap now, like that. Something tells me. Something tells me Phil Coulson had that. <laughs> like he is the guy who would have that at Shield. So if the FBI and Sword called Shield, maybe they would get his uh, collector's item TV. Or maybe there's just a really ambitious set dresser. Like, that wasn't supposed to be that way, but they think this is what's going to get them bumped to a a production designer on their next gig. Well, I don't know how I would possibly know this, but that's actually a prop because the actors are are actually making, like, you know, they're they're actually touching the thing. Okay. But, but yes, yes. Wait a minute. You've seen Mandalorian. That could be CGI. You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't question anything these days. It's all, it's all, you know, it's all out there. Question 10. We start to identify people of the town, but we don't see the, uh, a name attached to the Agnes ID card, so we don't see any of that, nor do we see Dottie on the board at all, which could be a coincidence, but in this show, I don't think so. Uh, what, if anything, do you glean from what we've seen so far with this uh, board of characters? Uh, Sean, is it fair to say that sometimes I just bang the same drum over and over again? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
because we know who I think Agnes is. Yes. So, you know, there's there's no point even saying it again. Yes. Uh, Dottie, I think you're on to something there, Adam. I think Dottie may be something significant, though I don't have a specific guess, but I think you're on to something. Watching again, watching again this time and knowing things from a different angle, having, you know, Agent Wu there and everything. When Dottie is listening to the radio, it almost feels like watching her face feels like she may know who's on the other end of that line. That's at least at least this time. That's what I kind of got is that like, but she also realizes like the rest of these people that she's, you know, under for lack of a better word, Wanda's spell and has to continue all of this good stuff. That's why when she cuts her hand, she goes, oh, I see something red. This is from the real world. I need to, you know, extricate myself as fast as I can. I think Dottie might be Master Pandemonium. I do have a specific guess. Neat. Master Pandemonium. That sounds like a Tekken character. Yeah, it's the guy that wore the babies like puppets. Oh, okay. So she may be that that one. All right. Working for Mephisto. Why not? She is the one who says the devil's in the details. She yes. Yeah, I've heard people out of that. Yeah, it's I've, true. I've heard a couple people on YouTube say that there was a big thing about Norm that was in the board that somebody kind of blew up, and I, I want to read this. Uh, Arabash, however you pronounce the guy's name, expresses concern for his father and sister. This information was obtained when Vision awakened him. Is Wanda controlling a whole town? Physical safety of residents is now in question when Vision uh, uh, releases him. Uh, Alabash becomes Norm again. I have no idea what that means, but that was on, Me either. That was on his sorry. paper as uh, this was on the, uh, the big board. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what to make of that. Nor me. Weirdo. Let's go to 11. Is there a spark between Darcy and Agent Wu? Oh, Darcy should be so lucky. <laughs> she should be so lucky. That man is that that man is gold and Darcy is just good. Here's here's what I like. I don't I don't think there is but and and I think there's a good reason for that. If you look back at the history of Agent Wu, he is so desperate for a friend, for any kind of human connection that he clearly is not getting. When he's looking over Scott, he's like, listen, this guy's a criminal, so I got to do my job and everything. But man, he seems kind of cool. I'd kind of like to be that guy's friend, but I can't be that guy's friend because I'm a cop. I'm a good cop. And I think every situation he goes to, because you have a little bit of it with Monica and stuff as well, I think he is just looking for some form of human connection that he is just not getting. And the poor guy is just kind of, hey, maybe I could, maybe we could all, I don't know, maybe just somebody needs to like me. Please like me. He's not getting it fulfilled by being a youth minister. Didn't he say that's what he did in his spare time? <laughs> yeah. and was- oh, did you notice also that he knows how to do the card trick now? Yes. So he's trying to do it in Ant-Man and Wasp, and I was so happy for him that he made it work. <laughs> I was like, you did it. But see, he looks up to him. He wanted to, you know, and next time he meets Scott, he go like, Lou, look, see, I made this thing. And Scott's not going to care, but he's going to be At like, all. oh, good for you. But I, I really, I learned this trick. You inspired me to learn it. Oh, no, that's really good. Moving on. <laughs> Number so 12, great. Sean. In this episode, Wanda is only spoken about as a force to deal with, like a hurricane. And I don't know why, but Wanda as a force to deal with instead of as a person works better for me. Is that sexist? Well, it's Sean has just, said it many times off air that women are just, you know, objects for us to kind of, you know, move around at will. So I, I understand where he's coming from here, but, I, you know, I think she's a person with needs and, and you know, ideals. <laughs> I'll say it feels a lot like Dark Phoenix. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that she's kind of maybe out of control. I don't know. I mean, when somebody has an absolute uh, mastery of powers, uh, whether it's Phoenix or whether it's Wanda, the only person that can serve as a good villain for them is that internal battle with himself, you know? And I think that's why it works better as a force than as a as a character. And I, I think that that same thing goes for male characters too, but for some reason, the largely male writers don't want to emphasize that the same, but it, but it does happen out there. But I also think that that could be uh, a sign that maybe necessarily she doesn't have as full of control of her powers as we might think. Perhaps that's why we continue to switch decades or something like that, where like some of the veneer of this world that she's created is starting to fall off. So in a panic, she just goes, oh, what's the next thing that I know? And then that's, you know, 10 years plus in uh, TV time. Always possible. Yeah. I'm Let- still waiting for that episode where we see her in a cage watching old sitcoms, and that's how she got through the uh, 
the trials of her youth. Man, I, I, I think that we're pretty close to that happening, to be honest with you. Let's go to 13. The internet is simultaneously the best and worst invention of all time, but I have to thank them for the theory that uh, all the ads that we saw say something, and uh, they relate back to the Infinity Stone. So let's go over them real quick here. Toaster with the red light for the uh, Reality Stone. Strucker watch, you guessed it, that's the Time Stone. Hydra soap looks exactly like the blue Tesseract cube. We know that Vision has the Mind Stone on his head there still. That leaves us with the Space and Power Stone left. Uh, does any of this make any sense? Or are we tilting at windmills as we normally do on all of these shows that we that we do? I love this one. This is one I hadn't seen. This is one I hadn't thought of. Um, I love this. It yeah, makes me too. like those commercials better. I think it's great. I do like this. I like this idea. I, I'm not sure where else and how else we might get those other two, but I feel like that that's got to. And Wanda, from what we're told, I guess, and what I'm kind of seeing is that she, in one way, shape, or form, embodies elements of all of those uh, stones. Is that right? You, and you know, in the eighties, uh, in the eighties, there were all those uh, uh, commercials on TV for the space saver and space savers. You know what I'm talking about? And whenever we get to the eighties set com, that could be the space stone is some kind of space saver commercial. Yeah. I'm good as any, I say 14. It appears Monica Rambeau is just a high functioning human. Do you think she will ever become photon? I think that if there was any chance for her for her to do that, at least as far as this particular season goes, it happened at the end of this episode when she got uh, knocked out of the, uh, we'll call it force field. She is definitely going to have superpowers by the end of this show. She wants now, to get back to I space. I don't know if you noticed, but when they went into the uh, S.W.O.R.D. Uh, headquarters there, there was a picture of her mother up that said Maria, quote, Photon. Rambo, and I thought since they've given her mother that nickname, that Monica may not ever become Photon, or she just oh, chooses I, that I to think, honor her mom. Yes, I totally think that that's what's going to happen. And it was like yeah, because it. it was on her uh, on her fighter plane there and all that kind of good stuff. So I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen. Okay, fifteen. The acting director of S.W.O.R.D. is played by Josh Stamberg, and I feel like he's completely miscast. What do you think, and who would you recast if you think that he's miscast? I'm trying to yeah. figure out how he's miscast, because I went back and looked at this guy, and he had, he's like a legacy of playing cops and FBI agents and all this kind of stuff, so it seems like it'd be right up his alley. Well, here's the problem, right, is that for me, you have these... It's it's kind of the Marvel problem that they keep running into here when it comes to agency folk and cops is that it's always like these very good looking people. It's ne there's never an uggo unless that's the whole point of that person. Yeah, they're, to be they're, ugly. You know they're bad because they're ugly. Right, and and that's a Marvel problem. And and I think that you need someone who's just like you know like like somebody who looks like a bureaucrat in that role. I oh, think they, I what? was picturing more like a Walt Coggins, like somebody who looks a little bit like they got a screw loose. Well, that's fine too. But you know, again, he's too, he's like, he can make himself too polished at times. And so I, like, I'm thinking about him as, you know, the, 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 a feet man in, in Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah. You know, where he's he also seems a little bit off because he's supposed to be the scummiest person in the room and he's still, you know, like he looks <laughs> Stephen Ogg. They need Stephen Ogg to be exactly, uh, exactly. He would be a good one. Like, I mean, obviously a little bit older, but for me, whenever you talk about somebody like a like military or you know, FBI police or something like that that's kind of old and retired and crotchy and that you ain't never beaten Ed Harris. True. Because that it's guy true. would just bring the destruction in this. And a lot of people are also saying he seems to have a uh, a good amount of ideas of, like, you know, what kind of radiation and stuff is going on. Sure, he is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatnot, uh, but uh, people are eyeballing him as a possible uh, somebody to be looking at and watching out for. Oh, I absolutely think he's a bad, bad actor. Yeah. I mean, not that the actor is bad. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I, character, the character is we knew a what bad you meant. agent. 
I think he's a troublemaker. Number 16, Adam. 16, the tether that the agent beekeeper Franklin got disconnected from when he crossed over the force field became an old school jump rope. Are we to believe that when things cross back over, they stay as they were when they crossed over? Well, let's slow down here because we saw Monica. Yeah, we saw Monica get thrown out of the bubble. Did she look? Didn't she still look like seventies Brady Bunch Monica? She when was. She, sure landed? she was wearing she the sure exact did. same clothes. That's correct. And the same hair and everything. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think that the answer to that question is yes. So that's it, a big yes, sir. And that's what also just because you you add that being hit with Wanda's you know powers or hex powers, I guess we're calling them now, right? Uh, yeah. getting hit with those, going through the force field and everything. That's what I think may drop us into that. It may not happen this episode. It may not happen immediately, but uh, at some point, I think that's when you get your, uh, she gets her superpowers from something like this. Wouldn't it be weird if everybody in that uh, town of Westview was mutated and they came out as mutants? So are we to, we would, this would be kind of like the mutant Big Bang, if you will? Like I, uh, speculated on before i i'll tell you what i because i was thinking about that a lot watching this episode bruce and i think that you are right that something is going to happen with the mutant world with the marvel world at the by the end of this series and and the main reason why i think that is because even if we don't see another mutant for you know like two three years the one we're absolutely going to see is deadpool and they got to yeah. get that ball rolling. Yeah. But I could see where, you know, the people in there are mutants. And whenever whatever happens that breaks this bubble, it sends out some kind of a gene altering wave around the world or something. I, I still think that that might happen. Yeah, I don't know. There could be. It's, I think there's a lot of open, open ended theories and stuff that. uh but I, I feel if it's not happening now, it's certainly being set up for some time in the future. I can definitely say that. 17. Question number 17. Could this be an inception or a turtles all the way down scenario in which Woo, Darcy, Rambo, etc., are also in an alternate reality and are not aware? I totally think so. I, I, I that absolutely could be the case. I think that, you know, when you have a character like Wanda in your show, there is they still haven't pulled rugs out yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they're going to get to that moment where rugs are getting pulled out. And so that is definitely on the table that, you know, everything's all cockamamie. Yeah. And, you know, I think Wanda is smart and a smart uh, tactician and a smart strategist is going to guard their flank. So if you've got this circle of your reality, you want to guard it with a donut of people that think they're the outside, but they're not. Mm, Yeah. Donut reality. Especially sword to protect from aliens, and then suddenly people from outside that donut show up. They're going to be fighting them off for you. Yeah, yeah. I to me when when I read this, I was like, this is one of the best questions because I I think and I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent on it, but I I love the idea of no, even this one, even this one. Yeah. Number eighteen. Eighteen is Wanda going to turn heel by the end of the show? I, I think it'll be like a, uh, like she's heel, but it's definitely not her fault. I mean, in the comics, when Wanda has been a heel, she's been manipulated. Like she was manipulated by Dr. Doom, manipulated to a degree by Mephisto, uh, manipulated by Magneto. She's She is not uh, evil in her own accord, but she is prone, particularly after what happens to her children. So nothing's happened to her children yet. But she's prone to uh, being manipulated because of her loss and her emotions. It's also the, her only weakness, really. I mean, when you're yeah. a character that powerful, you got to go after the cabeza. It's like, is the Dark Phoenix a heel? You know, did Jean Grey become a heel or did things just go in an in a uncontrollable pathway? Yeah, I, I think you're right in as much as there'll be some sort of... Uh... Yeah, we believe that she's bad or like, you know, the whole like, oh, she's turned on us. We're not going to be able to do anything. And then it turns out she didn't quite turn on us and it was some sort of outside force. And we we, we can't blame her at the end of the day. And we all, uh, you know, laugh and the video pauses at the end. That's what I think. It's mm-hmm. like when a dam breaks, you don't blame the water. You know, you blame the dam. But so she'll be the water rather than the dam. Why don't work? we blame the water? 
I do, man. I go out and I punch water all the time. I hate it. Except for when I'm thirsty. Coming is over here. Why, is that why Muhammad Ali had all those pictures in Sports <laughs> Illustrated? He's just mad at the water? Yes, that's why I bought a pool so I could hold water prisoner. I didn't know that. You're not going anywhere until I drain you. And you know what? I'm going to torture you a little bit by putting you a little bit of chlorine in you. How you like that? Stinging chemicals. Enjoy yourself. That's how you brainwash water is with chlorine and water. back to seal. Uh, go ahead. 19, Adam. 19. We notice that things change when you enter Westview past the barrier. Can we also assume that more that, that it changes more than your clothes? Because, again, I think with Maria there, so she goes over, and we, we're not quite sure what's happening with her. B-Guy, we kind of go over that. He trans... All right, so when he breaches the little uh, barrier, he goes from his hazmat suit to a beekeeper suit. So, essentially, I guess it's tantamount like sort of like what you're wearing but not exactly yeah. like what you're wearing yeah and i gotta say i gotta say for somebody who just had reality shift around him he seems pretty nonplussed by the whole thing he is yeah he's uh, he's in sword and par- apparently he has seen some stuff perhaps this guy's but, been but to he space is living, you know? he's living in a post ultron post thanos world so yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and again you're working for sword this dude could have been to space and seen, you know, all of the uh, the what you call it there, all the Nova Corps or something like that. So right. it's like this is yeah, like it, a you guys a Monday. Think, you guys think that sword is like Men in Black? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's probably yeah. an element to that in there. Yeah, but I do like that. You know, there he obviously they make a they make more of a specific point in this episode that it's more like oh, it's not necessarily this as spacey as you originally thought. It's it stands for weapon now. So just uh, you know, remember that. Number 20, I now feel comfortable saying that I don't think there is any aim in this series. Do you concur? I disagree. I concur. Totally disagree. I'm still, I am riding that aim train on down. I don't care. Like, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting to that last stop because there's still hexagons on there. Wu's writing on the board. What's with all the hexagons? He's literally asking all the questions that we're asking every week in this stupid show. He's putting them up on the board going, what's with this one? Who's that one? Is Vision still alive? We're not really quite sure. He's doing all that kind of stuff. I still feel hexagons are in play. The town is you're still seeing them everywhere. So I I can't I can't hey, let go of that. What kind of magic does uh, what are we calling the magic that Wanda has? Hex magic, I, I think. And so what's I that first it. syllable on a hexagon? Uh, that's I listen, I'm not good with math. <laughs> it's hex. I think the hexagons are there because they're trying to uh science up the hex magic a little bit. I, that's what I think. You're probably not I wrong. That, mm-hmm. I think that everybody was latching on to aim because of the beekeeper suit. And now I feel like that that's not there. Now, Sean, I don't know why somebody would latch on to a theory and refuse to let go, but some people are like that. But I, I don't think it's aim. He learned it from watching you. <laughs> <laughs> I still say Tulip can't read. My, mine is more like it, it's not necessarily my defiance per se. It's one of those... If I claim it and it happens, it's going to be amazing. It, but if it doesn't, no one's really going to remember that, you know, uh, you know, I said it like four or five times. I'm not really going to until it truly happens, but I'm not letting it. I'm not necessarily letting go of the idea completely just yet. I'm not saying that I can't abandon it. Just not yet. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like people remember when I'm wrong way more than when I'm right. Well, that's because well, it's more fun. The internet works, my friend. <laughs> 21. I was trying to explain the plot of WandaVision to the future, Mrs. Sweet Shanzi, who hadn't seen Endgame or Infinity War and has no idea who Wanda and Vision are. And, and actually, it's worse than that. She will tell you that she actually saw Infinity War when she actually watched like five minutes of it on Christmas Day while everything else is going on around her. Anyway, anyway. And has no idea who Wanda and Vision are. And it was ridiculously difficult to try to explain. Is this show harder to explain than The Matrix to someone who is completely unfamiliar with the property? I think you just explained it perfectly. It's like The Matrix, only instead of computers, it's magic. Hey. That's not bad. But yeah, a Matrix is at least enough of an idea. It's like your life is not really the life that you were leading. You were, you know, just in this big drone thing feeding robots then you got woken up into the real world which is not the world that you were previously in like that's not too bad and again we've we've also known that story for 20 years plus at this point uh so i guess maybe that's that that takes care of a little bit of it but yeah this one just going okay uh that guy he's a he's a robot 
but he can also like phase through some stuff. No, no, hold on. Here's the thing. He was dead. Is he not dead? And that's even tougher because you can't really explain you can sort of explain what the past was, but you don't know have any clue how it's you know interacting with what we're seeing right now. So it's super tough to you know relay. Well, I don't know what this is either. How about this? The most powerful witch in the world lost her brother and her husband in horrible tragedy, so she's built a magic town where she can try and make things better. That's pretty great. And the reason why I bring up the Matrix as is the thing to compare it to is because uh, somebody came up to me once and said, uh, listen, I'm never going to see the Matrix. Can you tell me what it is? <laughs> and so I, I explained it to them. And I remember very distinctly feeling like the biggest idiot in the world because my final sentence went. And then he gets on a pay phone and he threatens the computers and then he puts the phone down and he flies away <laughs> i would say you promise me you're never going to watch it they say yes i'd say it's about a talking pig it's hilarious <laughs> you ever see green acres it's a lot like green acres <laughs> 22 adam in a tv in, uh, excuse me in the tv show vision has speed powers from what i know this has never been a part of vision's power set is there any reason why that might be you want to go first sean uh, I, you know, vision basically has the powers of whatever the writers need him to do. And since he's a character from the sixties that, you know, that he can do anything. The most powerful witch in the world has lost her brother and her husband. Maybe she brings them both back into one composite. Yeah, I definitely think he could be a composite of some sort. And, uh, from what we're seeing, he definitely seems to be, uh, at least to some degree sentient. I don't know if it's like the sentience of vision or uh, vision is kind of, um, I guess, a stand-in, if you will, for her subconscious, perhaps. Well, vision record, sentience are ones and zeros, but, you know, the speed is probably from Pietro. Yeah. For for the record, Bruce's answer is way better than mine because his isn't snarky. Way better. Question number 23. How long do you think we wait for the big villain reveal? Next episode. I, I, I almost like that uh, we kind of have been seeing her since uh, frame one of this show. Maybe maybe it is her. I, I still think that there's a chance. Obviously, she'll turn out to be a hero at some point. Uh, but I feel like we need to, uh, it's just from a dramatic standpoint. Uh, we need to drag this character down a little bit more and just have some, like, this is where the rubber is going to start meeting the road in the next couple episodes. So I, we're really going to start to uh, push this reality and see what's going to happen because she's going to start reacting a lot more than, you know, just throwing, you know, Monica out, you know, Ferris Bueller style out of, out of the neighborhood. So if she's kidnapped and altered the minds of a city, what do they say? 3,000 people in the town? I mean, it's not huge. But at this point, there's no way she's not a villain, right? To some degree. And uh, I guess part of it also, not that it would make it better or worse one way or the other, but the people of the town, at least to some degree, have a, an ounce of no, knowledge about what's going on. They kind of get it. And they know not to talk about it, but they I, it feels like they kind of have a good idea of what's going on. So, I, you know, if they if they know what's going on, I think it's it's I don't know which is worse if they don't know or if they do. But either way, I mean, yeah, that's a villain move. Mm -hmm. 24, Sean. Creepy dead vision is my favorite vision. What's your favorite version? I hope at some point, just because I want to I want to have to hear people explain it on the Internet. I want to I want to see the full white vision. Just the whole thing there. People go, no, 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 this is not, it's not bad. Just listen. Just, I think we might, man. He's full white I vision. Too. Really? I, I think, th I we think we're get. I think we're going to get all white vision by the end of the show. Yeah. I wow. think that's his purification and when he's real and no longer just something she's controlling. It's his yeah. Gandalf uh, moment. I also think uh, creepy dead vision is the best by far. It makes me think of Marvel zombies and I don't think we'll get any Marvel zombies movie or TV show, but I think that's about as close to Marvel zombies as we're going to get. And it looked awesome. It did. And it, it is sufficiently creepy too. You know, when, he, when, when she's imagining him with his head ripped out and stuff, it's, wow, it's really good. The great It'd part a is great screensaver is I love the, the dead eyes and then the blink with the dead eyes. It's like that made it like even creepier that he was blinking. 
You are right. It totally did. It was just like, oh, oh boy, this is even worse than I thought. And then go back and uh, it is that perfect shot. So she is, uh, she's editing all of this stuff, or at least we think she is, because that's another uh, thing that another theory that people are putting out there is that the show that's going out to the broadcast, as it were. Uh, is showing some things that we haven't seen and is also yes. editing out things that we have seen as well, which is interesting. Yes. I don't we don't know. see the parts that she rewinds for the most part. No, no, no. We don't know where any of that kind of goes. And I, I hope, well, I, some somehow I hope there's some sort of answers for that. Uh, 25. Uh, this one comes to us from our friend uh, Matthew, uh, a.k.a. Secular Man. Monica Rambeau says it's all about Wanda, but if it were true, why would she make a world where Wanda, or where she and Vision, and assuming that they're real, the children are visible as a television broadcast? I go back to something I said before that I don't think she entirely, like for this, it's a situation for the lie to work. She has to believe her own lie, so maybe she's yeah. not fully in control of every aspect of this. I totally agree with you, Bruce. I think that she, I, I, I can't, I, I think that I said it early on in the show, but I think that she set up this world to try to protect herself. She can't get out and she doesn't even know that she's the one who built it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 26. Has a mid-season episode of a series ever completely changed the way you feel about an entire series? Not in the good uh, way. Uh, it, 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 you're, you're right. It's more often than not that it's like, well, I'm never watching this show again. There is one series that is like that, and that's Mr. Robot. And that's how I'm feeling about this. This is almost dead center in the series. I mean, there's not exactly a center with eight episodes, but episode four is close to it. And it has entirely changed the way I feel about this show. Like, even in retrospect, when I, I will go back and rewatch those first three episodes and enjoy them much more the next time around. Welcome to welcome to my world, everybody, because I've been enjoying it the whole time. But, no, I, I think this is a, um, yeah, it, it's usually just the bad way around. I talked a bit about it on HMP that uh, Walking Dead in Season 2 uh, when they got to that that uh, barn there and everything, I was like, oh, finally, we're going to stop just talking in circles around everything. This is going to be just terrible. Now now we're going to finally get somewhere. They opened up the barn. We found out what's inside. Two episodes later, they were continuing to do this. Same old, same old. And I was like, I'm out of here. I quit. And didn't look back since. So, And you know what? I felt good about it. I, I'm still going to remember this, I think, for a long time as the best midseason episode I can come up with off the cuff it's, because I haven't seen Mr. Robot that far. It's pretty damn it's pretty damn great. I mean, it's definitely super high up there. 27. Many, many questions were answered this episode, and it was satisfying, but people at work never talk about this show. They talked about the first two episodes and then nothing since. Is it too late for this show to catch fire? Well, because it's on Disney Plus and there's not a ton of stuff competing for eyeballs, I don't think it's too late. But given that I, I feel strongly this is just one season, I don't think it'll be like Breaking Bad where nobody watched the first season and then they all start jumping on board in two and three. So that's a, that's a tough question. This might be like the challenge that answers that question. It could be. You're right. I think by the end of this season, there will be, and this is a this is certainly a hope because you know, listen, I like doing the show, I like watching the show, uh, so I hope this ends up being true. But I feel like there's a decent chance that by the end of this season, the people that really enjoy this show will talk to the people that watched the first two or three episodes. They're like, man, I'm not quite sure on that, and give them the old dude, trust me. And uh, they go back and watch it and enjoy it, having the ability to go through and you know just slam bang it all in one shot or two shots. If they use the Leslie viewing order, there, there's a better chance it'll happen. It's possible. And listen, you, you better trademark that. Write yourself a letter, however the hell they tell you. <laughs> what is that, what is that <laughs> called? The hatchet cut? The hatchet? I don't know. Machete. Machete. That's what it is. The yeah, machete the cut. The machete version of WandaVision. You know what that is. 28, Adam. 28, this one comes to us from Kevin, and Kevin has what I think is the question of the week. 
Uh, do you guys think the blip has the potential to become the new Uncle Ben? And I'll tell you what that means. Matt explained it to me. I had him, I had him write me a, a follow-up email because I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. So everyone, you know, superheroes all kind of, and some villains as well, need like that Uncle Ben moment, that moment that tells them, hey, my life is going to be different from this point on. Is the blip going to be that for some people now? Are we going to be able to see uh, whether they're established characters that we know or characters that we may not know over time, Just not just in this series, but outside in Marvel altogether? Will this blip be a moment that we look back to an awful lot going, hey, a superhero came from there? I think for the next 10 years, yes. Yes, I agree too. I, I thought that was just, I, I'd never really thought about that kind of situation. But, and to me, it is also really great because it's a, it's a super fast shorthand uh, for something that in, you know, the superhero parlance over, the, you know, the last 25 years takes a long time to get to. You have to go through this whole origin story. You have to tell these people where they come from. This is super simple. All you have to say is, here's where I was. Then the snap happened. That turned me to this. Boom. Your origin story is pretty much done. Yep. So Kevin, yeah. thanks for that email, man. That was uh that that was a good one. Yeah, that is good. Twenty I thought you were, you meant that like we were gonna find out that it was actually Sandman who caused the blip instead Sandman of all along. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty nine. When everything is said and done, do you think this show could set the ball rolling to lead us to an Avengers versus X Men event? I think it totally could be that, uh, you know, you're, you're really, you're really getting my, like, I'm, I, I'm quickly, I'm quickly in your corner on this, on this thought burst because they really do need to ramp up pretty quickly, especially for Marvel because they, they, they usually take their time and things are well thought out. But for this, you know, they got Deadpool on the dockets. They need to go. And so I think that this could be the first, part of many of ramping up to that yes yeah i think and i could i could see if wanda is the big bad then who's going to be her army when the avengers eventually come for her or whoever constitutes the avengers and i think the x-men would be that army that could rally around her and it would if it's done right uh it's like civil war you don't know are you on team iron man or team cap you know it, it, it it's one of those where people will pick their side and there's no clear heroes and villains in it and then you yeah. got like, you know, coming up at some point, you know, whenever we end up doing it, the Secret Wars kind of stuff. So you've got that whole thing to add another layer of, you know, if you put in brand new mutants and stuff, no one knows who anybody is. It's all over the map and stuff. But the scrolls may be more friendly than uh, than we've kind of seen them as far as like their comic book past and stuff. At least that's the yeah. vibe we're getting as of now. You want to take us home, Sean? I do. Is this season, because we, we already know this about, about WandaVision, is that Wanda is going to end up in uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Everybody knows that's going to happen. So, is this season going to end in a calamity that only Doctor Strange can fix? Or is it something where Wanda fixes everything by the skin of her teeth, then Doctor Strange shows up at the end and says, I like your moves, kid, but you have so much more to learn, and they run off into a magic Stargate. Oh, I don't I don't know that I think it's going to be that second one. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough route to go, but at the same time, too, I, I don't I feel like he's maybe has to, I don't know that he has to show up, but there's got to be some sort of at least connective tissue to him by the end of this series. But I don't know if we see Strange, I don't know if Strange, I don't know if Benedict Cumberbatch is going to get a credit at the end of WandaVision. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I think that's absolutely going to happen. It may. Here's, here's the thing, is that you cannot have your your female superhero character you cannot have her be saved by a man. That's what. That's why. That's why I hesitate to think that. Yeah. Because that that can't happen anymore. <laughs> but uh, if there's anybody to do that, but I do like the idea of him kind of taking uh, her under his wing and everything, and because I think one of the big uh, aspects of her that a lot of people talk about is. She's learned this magic and stuff, but perhaps she doesn't know how to control it as well as she should. And if there was a place like, you know, Charles Xavier School for the, you know, uh, 
you know, mutant gifted really youngsters. Gifted. Yeah, exactly. That'll uh, that come through. But if we don't have something like that, perhaps you could have somebody that has a little bit of practice there in the mystic arts with uh, Doctor Strange. Welcome to if, magic school. It'd be great if there was an ancient witch in the comics that could bring into this show that could help her with that. Yeah, but I don't know what that <laughs> is. I am trying hard as hell because to stay away, they put out like a second half of the season kind of teaser trailer or something yeah, like I'm that. I'm not watching that. Yeah, I'm I not, will not surprised. watch that either. Uh, I've seen like a frame or two here and there because, you know, some of the, I'll, I'll watch a couple of YouTube videos with breakdowns and sometimes they'll mention, I'm like, hey, listen, you turd water, butter. I don't want to see that right now, man. I'm trying to leave leave all of it out. I don't need to see extra previews. Thank you very much. Even though we all stay to the end of those credits, just in case they start slapping something in there that we don't know about. You don't want to be but that guy at the bus stop when that thing's going. You just don't want to be the guy at the bus stop, period. No. Yeah, yeah. no one's ever been like, oh, things are going great for me here at the Sweet. bus stop. Sweet. <laughs> Well, that is it, everybody. That does it for this week's episode of WandaVision 30 Questions. If you also would like to get your question on the show, uh, email us. The shorter, the better. That's always good. But do that at WandaVision30Q at gmail.com. Best ones make it into the show. If you dig the show, we got a lot of other of our you know shows here for us. Bruce, what else are you doing on the Internet? I've got the YouTube channel going, the Wanda and Vision video. Some folks are checking it out. You know, it's a new channel. Bruce Leslie's the name. YouTube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. Lots of comic book stuff I'm trying to put up every week. I thought he was going to go, Bruce Leslie's the name and YouTube's the game. Get with it, son. <laughs> oh, let's let's uh, cut that out. Let me do it again. <laughs> Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? <laughs> Sean, no what's up? <laughs> there's no way he's cutting anything out. No, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> Sean, what else? <laughs> uh, uh, we have a podcast called Hero Movie Podcast. This week, we are reviewing the first episode of season two of Snowpiercer, and uh, we have a lot to say about that show. A lot. So if you're one of those people that uh, is a little disappointed we're not coming back with uh, Snowpiercer 30 questions, go check out Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, We got a little bit of info for you over there. That is it, everybody. Join us next week for another 30 questions for Sweet Sean Zakovacs from the internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress, reminding you to forget your past. This is your future. Oh, 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 oh,